Hi, Neighbors Church. Grace and peace to you on this Wednesday. Dan and I are um, just really grateful to have this uh, little moment, this space with you. Um, We've just been delighting in summer and having, you know, some early morning surfs and evening surf sessions and, and carefully hanging with some friends in our backyard. It's been um, a great summer. Um, And through this summer, as a church, we've been talking a lot about rest, particularly in our conversations. And we've been talking about delight and having time off and vacation and how to order and structure vacation. Um, But it's crazy to say already fall is nearing. It's upon it's, us. It, that feels so ominous. It does. It's it like, feels like a freight train coming at us. It is crazy. Like our kids started school this week. Um, it's just a big year for us as a family as well. Sophia is graduating. So that's pretty crazy for us. It's surreal to have our oldest already to that stage. So we're thinking more in terms of fall and we're starting to look at Uh, What is the fall and winter and this next year, the school year, the school calendar going to look like for us? And when we think about what's coming, even collectively as as a society, so many uh, families are scrambling this fall with, oh, no, I'm now homeschooling my kids again. Or maybe it's your first time homeschooling because you have a kindergartner. There's also... um, our crazy election cycle that's coming up. Crazy is an (laughs) understatement. I I literally didn't think that it could get any crazier, and now I can't get my head around the insanity that we find ourselves in right now. Yes, it's the craziest of the crazy election cycle. Uh, There's the potential, you know, more plague possibly, and just the continuation of COVID. Um, Certainly economic uncertainty is looming large for um, our nation and for individuals. And then on top of that, we just have like the normal, regular, everyday chaos that is our jobs and school and all of that kind of stuff. And so uh, living as a Jesus follower in the 21st century is tricky. And so that makes us want to say, okay, what does this mean for us as summer's over and we're done vacationing? Um, are we just going to get back on this hamster wheel and start grinding until we get a couple days off this Christmas or at the new year? Or are we going to enter into this next uh, season of life from a place of rest? Yeah, a lot of this conversation that my wife and I are having is being catalyzed by um, you guys, our church. We're coming into a mission-critical phase for Neighbors Church, and we're going to be slowly and carefully trying to regather And like my wife said, you have all of the kind of swirling chaos about us. And then we're going to hit the fall, like all hands on deck, full steam ahead. We need to replant, plant again, neighbor's church. And myself, by wiring, I find myself getting geared up. I can feel the adrenaline picking up. I can feel the, the, uh, the energy picking up. And yet we have spent this entire summer in our conversations talking about delighting, talking about resting. And we, I personally, I don't, I don't think desperate is too strong of a word. I am desperate for a pace this fall that doesn't 
lead us into 2021 with our knuckles dragging, just kind of barely making it till we fall on our faces this Christmas and take a little, you know, five day break on the Christmas thing. Um, we don't want to do that. And we don't believe that that I, neither of us believe anymore that the haggard way that we live our lives honors Jesus. I've come to a place where I think the haggard, busy, frenzied, frenetic way of being in this world as apprentices of Jesus is wrong. It does not display who he is. It's not the way our souls were designed to be. So we're, Alexis and I are really asking this question a lot. How do we get the kids back in school? How do we get Sophia prepared for college? How do we plant this church again? How do we live in the chaos of what we're living in out of this um, posture of rest? And there's this quote. A dear friend of mine gave me this book called The Way of the Disciple. Um, I can't recommend this book enough. And the author's name is uh, Erasmo. Oh, I cannot say his name. Marikaki. <laughs> there we go. So his name is Erasmo. From Erasmo Marikaki. Yeah. He is referred to as Erasmo from this moment on. The, w- the, the way of the disciple. Now, this is a lengthy quote, and it's super important that you actually hear this quote. So if you're doing the dishes right now, I really want to encourage you, stop, put your hands over your ears and your earbuds, and really focus. This quote is mind-blowing. If you're driving... Grab an exit, pull over, close your eyes, and listen to this quote on on the posture that we're to take as we approach the fall. So the setup for this quote is Erasmo is talking about when Jesus came to us, one of our favorite verses for all of us, and said, come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, And then he has this profound insight on what he thinks Jesus meant by, I will give you rest. I'm going to begin reading this quote. I'll add details of my own thoughts as I go through. It's quite lengthy, so just stay with me. I actually said the last name wrong. (laughs) I think you did. It's Maricacus. So obviously he's some Eastern European guy who's brilliant, uh, and none of us can pronounce his name. I just said it so confidently that I was like, I have to correct The minute you said Maricacus, I was like, swing and a miss. (laughs) Oh, man, guys. Maricacus. <laughs> uh, we had a long talk about this name actually before this podcast where I practiced saying his name, but I kept wanting to say, you know what? We're way off track. Maricacus. But that sounds like a cuss word in Spanish. So, okay. The quote. Hopefully you have found a quiet space to really listen into this quote about rest and what Jesus meant when he said, for this fall, my dear friend, my loved one, this is what Jesus means for us this fall as we, as we careen into the chaos of the back half of 2020. Jesus, says Erasmo, Jesus gives us rest. But we must be clear that such rest is totally different from resting up in order to get back to the daily toils of life. It's different, too, from recreation or distraction, or vacationing, all of which are ordered to getting back to the serious part of life, which is the way that we've thought about our summer vacations, right? We're going to go collapse, rest, sleep, so that we can get back to chaos. Erasmo is saying, no, the rest that Jesus gives is something entirely different. He goes on here. It seems to me that this rest for our souls is intended by Jesus to be a real and genuine state 
of life. I want to read that again. It seems to me, Erasmo says, that the rest for our souls that Jesus gives is intended by Jesus to be a real and genuine state of life, a, a way that we live. The nat- he says it should be the natural condition in which a child of God habitually exists and not just a passing phase of recovery. <laughs> it is a deep condition of soul that is quite compatible with all the ordinary exterior activities and efforts of human life. The one who truly becomes God's child, like Jesus, enjoys such rest as the very element of existence in which he swims. Isn't that an incredible invitation for us this fall, to be a people who are children of God as Jesus was the Son of God, and we enjoy such rest that he has given us, that that rest is the very element of our existence in which we swim through the chaos of this coming whatever is coming, right? A couple more, couple more sentences here from Erasmo. This is important. He says, this rest, the rest that Jesus gives, this rest is not laziness or a restoration of energy in order to get back to the serious work. It is an end in itself, a way of life rooted in the relationship to God as Father. Here's my favorite line from this entire paragraph. Such rest is utter trust actually lived out moment by moment. Such rest is utter trust actually lived out moment by moment. But because this rest calls for what he calls the asceticism of continual surrender, it has been called laboriosa quies, rest that requires effort. So Erasmo is setting us up for this fall saying, this rest that we're going to live out of, it's going to require some effort. It's going to require some intentionality. To rest in this way means to allow the Father continually to be giving us his life, to have nothing come from our own devising, to allow God full room for acting as the true creator of our being. So my wife and I, we've been chewing on those two paragraphs for a number of weeks, and we're really letting those paragraphs and that theme of rest that is given, rest as a way of existing, become the theme for us as the runaway train that is the chaos of the end of 2020 careens towards us. We really believe that godly behavior and actions come out of a place of stillness, of rest. So our godly speech is formed by silence. Um, We're approaching this fall, our family, the way we want to lead Neighbors Church forward, we want to approach this fall as contemplative activists. That's a term that Thomas Keating coined. Um, And so it's going to take this effort. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, rest should be easy. But no, it actually takes effort and focus. And so what Erasmus and Dan and I are getting at is it's this posture of heart Um, It's a way of being. And so it's not our behaviors influencing our being. It's our posture of heart, our way of being that actually brings action to our behaviors. Yeah, chicken egg stuff. Is it our behaviors that lead to the posture or our posture that leads to behaviors? And we're more inclined towards uh, the internal work. Uh, Just this morning, I had coffee with a, a dear, dear friend. And he's getting ready to take some time off through the fall and have his first sabbatical. And, and we were talking about 
framing our posture through certain words, like filtering, filtering this fall through a particular word, where that word becomes the lens through which we interact with the world and the way that we see the world and interpret it. And the words that came to us this morning were, um, I'm loving this actually, is the word emergence and receive. Uh, This fall, we want to let come out of the soil of our lives that which has been planted through this time of time away, rest, um, prayer, silence, solitude, out of that soil, now as we go back into the fall, this word emergence. We want to see what God is going to bring about from those soils, what will emerge out of that. And then from that emergence, we want to receive what comes up out of the, the, the soil, what comes up out of that ground. I just love how growing up in Idaho, we have, Dan and I particularly, or maybe you do, depending on where you grew up, um, just this awareness of how like life cycles and the land works, so to speak. And so often you'd see farmers doing the work of planting and watering and fertilizing. Um, so there's this intensive work But then their main job is to then tend to what emerges from the ground and to receive what emerges from the ground. So it's that, again, that emergence and that receiving. Yeah, and you would never see a farmer, after he'd done the hard work of tilling the ground and and planting the seeds and then bringing the water and the fertilizer, you would never see a farmer standing over his crops agonizing uh, frenetically running about the running about the the edges of his garden screaming grow 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 or just trying to keep no the farmer then watches and this summer as we've been talking about delight and rest this is what's counterintuitive uh, we hope and pray that you've been able to plant some seeds of a posture of rest this summer and now what's going to emerge out of that is something to be received i watch my mom with her garden when i've had time with her And it's really beautiful because actually once she's done the hard work of preparing the ground, planting the seeds, doing the fertilizing, a lot of just even the watering portion is very peaceful. It's in the early morning. It's quiet. There's this watering. And it's just this delighting in all the hard work she's done and that anticipation of waiting to receive what's going to come. What we prayed for you before we even began, you know, recording this conversation was that you would have uh, a paradigm shift in your mind approaching this fall. That's what we're laboring towards. That's what we're being intentional about. Uh, Rather than approaching this fall, um, ramping up like you're ready to get into a UFC fight, which is the way that I sometimes feel. I feel like, okay, fist up, time to just go batter this thing down called fall, chaos, planting, blah, blah, blah. No, this posture is a posture of, okay, we've done the work this summer. We've taken time off. We've, we've learned to breathe again. We've had some expansive moments, my wife and I in particular, up in the mountains of awareness and clarity. Those are seeds now that we're going to approach the fall and let emerge out of the soil of rest and the soil of trust, like Erasmo says, this moment-by-moment moment surrender to our limitations and our childlikeness. And really, this fall is a time of receiving from our Father, rather than it being a time to get ready to grind and react to everything that's coming. 
we're actually kind of looking forward like little kids. What's going, what are we going to receive from this new posture of heart? How do we maintain it and fertilize it and water it so that we receive the abundance of relationship with God in the midst of, you know, the swirling river of chaos and culture around us? So it's important to look at what's coming as a gift from our Father. It's important to understand that we learn more about His soft rhythms and not our, you know, just making it through until we collapse for our next time of rest. All right. Here's the practical, concrete question then. How? Um, If all of this starts with a posture of heart, um, there are practices. (laughs) Um, Alexis and I know that we sound like a broken record when it comes. We, we always circle back to these core kind of set of body embodied practices. And we feel it's important to repeat them over and over and over until we actually are practicing them because this is where present transformation occurs. And I believe that these practices are the crucial component of my apprenticeship to Jesus for this fall. With the election cycle coming, kids getting back to the grind, we're swinging for the fences as a church plant this fall. I mean, these practices are what will provide fertilizer and water to the seeds of rest that Jesus has given us through this summertime of delighting and vacationing and recreating so that I can, I can leave these embodied practices every day and every week and have, have a posture of heart that says, what will emerge this day? So that I can actually receive what my incredible father is doing in my soul and in my family and in my church and in my city um, from these actual embodied practices being engaged in. So we're going to walk you guys through these as we always do, elaborate on them in the context of, of resting this fall um, or having that posture of rest. So I'd say, number one, we've adopted this way of being where we begin our week with Sabbath. So Sabbath isn't to close our week. Sabbath is the start of our week. And for us, that's on Saturdays. And from that place, we, from that posture of mind, so to speak, we work from that place the rest of the week. So on Saturday, we start our Sabbath. And from that place of rest, the rest of our week, We work out of that rest. So that's a pretty huge mind shift. It's a way where you go, okay, as a culture, usually we've looked at come Friday night, like, okay, I made it through my work week. Now I can have some time off. But to have a shift in the way you think about Sabbath as this is starting my week, this is literally like filling up the gas tank. So now I have so many miles to go because I filled up the gas tank. It's a mind shift. Yeah, it is a complete mind shift, and it's so helpful. And, um, you know, as we give you guys these list of embodied practices that you've all heard a thousand times, if you've been listening to us for any amount of time, if you could only engage with one practice, it would be intentionally, in a disciplined way, engaging with a weekly Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It It is the most life-changing uh, and life-giving practice that we've ever engaged in. I'll take the next two that we have mm-hmm. on our list here. Daily times of silence. You know, we are utterly persuaded, as my wife said, that godly behavior comes out of stillness and godly speech is formed by silence. And even five, ten minutes in the morning 
if it's your traditional kind of Bible devotional time, wonderful. Set a timer for 5, 10, even 15 minutes, however much time you have, and just become aware that yesterday is gone and that's okay, and that the future has not yet happened. Become aware of your breath and realize in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God gave you that breath as a gift. Become aware that gravity is holding you down on the earth right now. By the power of God's word, all things are held together. Practice presence and silence. No need to manipulate God with your words and your prayers to get him to accomplish your purposes for the day. Remember, we're going to let emerge out of the soil of rest and silence what God wants to accomplish, and we're going to receive that. Our Father already knows what we need before we even ask. And so a practice of not even asking, but deeply, as Erasmo would say, surrendering moment by moment that my Father knows what I need today, you carry that posture of silence uh, into your day. And complementing that is this um, practicing the presence of God and breath awareness, literally, like just becoming aware of your breathing moment by moment. It brings you back to that present moment with God. Um, This is going to sound silly, uh, but it's actually really profound. As a CrossFit guy and as a CrossFit coach, over the years, I noticed with certain people, the more intense the workout would get, the more panicky their breathing would get. Like when your body begins to go into overload because of the heavy protocol of CrossFit workouts, some people would literally like, rather than breathing more deeply and getting more oxygen to, uh, you know, keep their body moving, they'd kind of, and it was like, they were panic breathing. And we would always coach. I would always try to coach them midway through the workout. When you really feel like you're getting fatigued or overwhelmed, try to slow your breathing down. Breathe deeply, deeply as you can and slow that breathing down as much as you can, even though it's intense. Now, jumping into life, as chaos surrounds us during the day, it's really a powerful moment to breathe in deeply. Just acknowledge in that one breath God gave me that breath, and I don't need to be panic breathing right now. I need to be living and receiving the gift of breath in the midst of all of this chaos. It's tremendous. You know, uh, we've turned you guys to Frank Laubach. He would practice the game of minutes. Do that. See how many minutes out of every hour you can just become aware of your breath while engaged with your activity and present to God's present presence. Another suggestion we'd have you consider is family planning and communication. Um, This means having a devoted time each week to mapping and planning out your week so then you can get control of your calendar week by week versus reacting to it. Um, I just recently heard one pastor mention that one way she works out of rest is she identified um, the top three areas in her life that bring the most fatigue. And, you know, it's interesting, her top three areas were also the three areas that she's very gifted in. And so we can get really good things in our lives, God-given gifts that allow us to work and to do what we do on a daily basis. They can still get out of balance. And so she realized that she needed to identify her top three areas that bring her most fatigue. And then from there, she creates boundaries to keep them in her rightful place. So for her... She leaves her laptop at the office, so when she gets home, it's completely separate, and she's not tempted to go get on it at 
the wrong time and be checking things when she doesn't need to be. She's created a boundary for herself. And that's part of what we're talking about when we're saying make a plan and have communication and devote time to mapping things out so you can live from a place of rest. I have one friend who she has a little daughter who's going into kindergarten and she was thinking she was going to be sending her daughter to kindergarten, but everything has changed because of COVID. And so now she's realizing, okay, I'm going to be homeschooling her. And so that's taken a little bit of a shift of plan. But she is mapping things out for how she can do this in a way that's going to not just completely drain her of life and emotion and relational capacity because she wants to do it well. She wants to be there for her three kids, but she also needs to create a boundary with it as well because it's, it'd be easy as a mom to be like, oh, with my kids, I don't need a boundary. But no, even as moms at home, homeschooling our kids or maybe as a dad, you have to have a created boundary. And so my friend, she's actually in her mapping, creating one day a week where she knows she's going to have time to herself. So she's like four days a week, Monday through Thursday, I'm going to give my best and I'm going to go for it. And then she has one day a week where she's going to get some help from her mom or she's going to have a babysitter come, but she's mapping and preparing for that. She's creating the boundary and preparing. I hope you're hearing this. There has to be a real intentionality. Erasmo would say it's a rest that requires massive effort. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I have found just eye-opening, we left the mountains and I thought, I, I kind of want to see what my hours actually are um, for neighbors, for other stuff that we're working on. So I downloaded this little app called Toggle. If you're uh, an analytical type or obsessive compulsive like I am, this app is amazing. You literally hit a button. You can create all sorts of um, different categories for work. Uh, I literally have a category which is wake up, brush teeth, and you can map every minute of your day. And it will give you a report, an itemized report or a graph that shows you where you spent your time. And I was pleasantly surprised now that I'm done with my master's degree to find that on average right now over the last couple weeks, I'm working about 50 hours a week, which is wonderful. So manageable compared to 65 when I was in school. But that app actually helps me see where I'm not being intentional about active rest, where I'm wasting time. Um, and it, it's giving me a buffer that I can, or it's giving me a filter whereby I can look at my life and say, this is going to require some more rest, or this is going to require some more planning, or this is, or um, I'm going to have to limit this. I'm going to have to say no. That's our next thing. Learn to say no and live within limits this coming season. Uh, this is huge. Our limitations are actually a gift. That's something that Pete Scazzaro says. Our limitations are actually a gift. And so embrace them. When there's something going on where you're like, I, I literally can't do that, rather than pushing into it and being like, okay, I'm going to put 50 pounds in a 30-pound bag, say, no, I have a 30-pound bag, and I'm going to embrace that limitation, and I'm going to say no if I need to, so I don't, one, tear the bag or break my back trying to carry the bag. <laughs> We've said this before, and I want to pastor and shepherd your heart carefully as my heart has been shepherded towards this reality most of our exhaustion and frenetic pacing is because we're managing an identity. And when we choose to live this way, the great death that we experience is we feel inconsequential. 
Hmm. We feel like we're not doing enough or we feel like um, we're not getting ahead like the rest of our uh, surrounding peers are getting ahead. And when you choose to adopt the rhythms of Jesus and live in his rest, you, that part of you dies because you are saying no to things that might give you a sense of consequence or significance. And that would lead us um, to our last suggestion, which would be to limit technology. It's easier to manage identity stuff when you're limiting technology because you're not constantly looking at what everyone else is doing, wasting time, honestly, but you're able to stay present with what is your actual experience. And so we would just recommend that you limit technology. Like I said about the pastor earlier where she leaves her laptop at work. You know, if you're working from home right now, say at six o'clock, I'm going to put my computer away in a space where it's not going to just be easily accessible and silence your phone for the evening to where you can really engage um, in your night, have dinner with your family or with friends and read a book or play a game. But just setting those technological limitations is huge. Yeah, learn to be bored even. (laughs) I think boredom may be one of the greatest missing gifts of our life. (laughs) So we'll close um, this little session. We're excited about this fall, you guys. Uh, We're working on some conversation ideas around the fruits of the Spirit and all sorts of stuff that we want to continue to explore, both as a married couple, with our kids, and uh, especially with you guys. We just love all the feedback that we get from you guys. But we want to close with the very passage that we've rooted this entire summer in and this conversation in and and the passage that we believe is uh, to carry us into this fall, this rest that requires effort, a state of existence. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We just want to encourage you guys in this upcoming season to take that easy yoke, to carry that light burden of Jesus and live out of true rest. Shalom, friends. Shalom.